where to start, where to start. Let me remind us just of a couple things that we just sang. Uh, you know, we were talking about singing about reviving dreams, and uh, one of the lines is Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness. Waymaker, Miracle Worker. That's the God we serve, isn't it? That's that song always resonates with me. And, uh, and then uh, Julie emphasized, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, and I love this, he never stops working. Now think about that. The Bible says that God never sleeps or even slumbers. In other words, he's always active. He's always around you. He's always wanting to speak to you. He's always doing something. He's always in the middle of what you're doing because you're a part of his purpose. You're a part of who he is. He's always there, and, 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 and it's so true. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, he never stops working. And then we sang that there's, there's another in the fire. <laughs> Boy, how true is that? Can you imagine if the, uh, the, the, the Hebrew children were distracted by the fire and missed the one that was in the fire, that was able to keep them in the fire, what that could have been like. And I, I like this, that we sang this morning, I'll count, <laughs> I'll count the joy of every battle because I know that's where you'll be. I want you to think about this for a minute, if you're, especially if you're a parent or maybe if you're a child probably didn't like it if you were the child side of it, but everywhere that you were, your parents were right there to keep you from what? From danger. Keep you from playing in the freeway at too young of an age. They're always right there. Well, God's even greater than that. He's everywhere that you've been. Now think about this for a moment. Everywhere that you've been, every fire you've been through, every circumstance that you've faced this past year, he was always right there. He was always right there. And he not only had the wisdom, but he had the power and the authority to change everything about that circumstance and that situation. And as we, as we journey through life sometimes, it's very easy for us to forget that and to forget that he's always there. Uh, but he's always going to be there for you. And he was always there for you. He is always there. Can you say amen to that? He's always there. I want to pull up the, the opening title slide there, if we have it. It's brighter than that one. There we go. Here's my question for you this morning that I want you to process as, as I go through just a few thoughts this morning. What do you want? What do you want? When I, when I thought about that question, and, and actually Jonathan and I were kind of hammering it back and forth, uh, the, the thought that was in my heart was is that sometimes we miss what we want because of life and circumstances and so forth. We start out with a dream maybe or a seed of a dream or a thought or a vision or a Maybe a prophetic word or maybe a word that he just spoke to you out of his word. And, and then somehow in the course that we get excited about it and we start pressing into it, 
but maybe life circumstances kind of go a little bit different than what we thought. And, and, uh, and yet God gives us promises and he wants us to take those promises and he wants us to realize that those promises from him are yes and amen. There, there's no variance in him. He doesn't change like we do. But God has given you the ability to choose the path that you will take. God has given you the ability to choose the path that you will take. As I was thinking about that, even the statement, what do you want, it sounded pretty strong. And it might be for today's, uh, today's thinking. But I just want to say to you, you're choosing to fulfill your purpose in God yourself. You make that choice. There'll be a lot of things that's going to try to stop it. Life may seem out of control to you, but if I could uh, remind you, uh, life is not out of control for God. He's completely in control. So it's absolutely amazing. We see it on this side of the tapestry, and if you've ever seen the bottom side of a tapestry, there's just all these strings hanging down, and you can't even quite make out the picture. But as soon as you look at the top of that tapestry, the, the, the side that he wants us to see it from, by, by, by thinking like he thinks, and, and, and uh, then all of a sudden you begin to say, oh, that's beautiful. But from underneath, it looks a little shaggy. looks a little messy. It looks a little disorganized. But life is not out of control for God. He has a process, and he has a purpose for everything that happens. He has a process, and he has a purpose for everything that happens around us. There's a word called sovereignty that is used of God because he's sovereign. And if we can see it, and we can be, we'll be able to navigate through it, is what I hope for us to see today. Can we see it? He has a process, and he has a purpose in everything, not just some things. God's interested in everything. He's everything about you he's interested in. And he has this process and purpose. I wrote down this statement. I sent it in an email that I sent on Saturday afternoon uh, to you. I believe that 2020 will be a year of vision and provision. Vision and provision. So maybe, maybe you've let your vision grow dim through the life circumstances. And maybe the provision isn't there for you like you thought it should be or would want it to be. Well, this is the year for it. So I want to just encourage you this morning, just be ready uh, to receive what the Lord has. And sometimes his process and process is different than the way we process things. And it's not according to uh, his purpose, but it's according to, I do it according to my purpose. And God's saying, no, I don't want that to happen. Or sometimes we get a word or we get a thought or we get saved and we get excited about the Lord and Everything, you know, it seems great and, and wonderful. And then all of a sudden something hits us that we're not expecting to hit us because, of course, we're doing the will of God. I just talked to somebody the other day that just said that. Well, I was journeying along, uh, and, and all of a sudden something hit me very unexpectedly, and it knocked me out of my place with God, and, and, and meaning the relationship with God. Now, of course, that's not God doing that. But in his mind, he thought that was happening because he didn't understand the process and he didn't see the purpose in what was happening. And that can be the same for us. And so, uh, again, this morning, it's, it, I guess it, it's kind of like marriage. You know, we do a lot of uh, premarital counseling 
and, and it's so often when we talk to couples, you know, we say, so what have you talked about? Oh, we've talked about everything. Everything, all of it. I usually start by telling them, don't tell me that, please. Because how many know you, if you've been married any length of time, you did not talk about as near as much as you thought you should have. And, 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 and you get the white picket fence, man. It's going to be the beautiful marriage. It's not going to be like anybody else's. This is going to be, we are smarter than all of them, and we're going to make this thing work perfect. And then you find out. Marriage is the same for everybody. It's a process, isn't it? And there's a purpose in it. It's, a, it's an exciting thing. But if you don't expect a few things, you can be knocked on tilt and uh, not be really good. So we're uh, just lean in a little this morning. Uh, I do like humor, and I think life should be fun. And I was thinking about a, a preacher who had uh, preached for, oh, about 30 years, and he died and went to heaven. And when he got there, he ended up looking at his little mansion, thinking it's a lot smaller than I anticipated. I mean, God, what's, what's the deal? I have preached for you for 30 years, and this is the size of mansion I get? And he looked over, and he saw this, on the other side of the fence, this huge place, 15,000-square-foot mansion. There's maids and servants all running all over the place, taking care of it. And he said, well, whose is that? He said, well, that, 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 that's Manny, the cab driver's. Manny, the cab driver, I know him. He's from my neighborhood. He's a terrible cab driver. Matter of fact, he just recently had about 15 tickets, and people were scared to death to drive with him. I mean, it's just like, I cannot believe this. He says, yeah, that's the point. That's the point. He says, well, well why? What, why would he get such a big mansion, and I preach 30 years, and I get this little place? It's almost a shack, God. God looked at him and just said, well... For 30 years, people, you preached and people slept. <laughs> but when Manny drove, they prayed. <laughs> so please don't fall asleep this morning. For my mansion's sake, please pray. I saw another deal that I just have been chuckling about ever since I saw it. See if you can, if it should be maybe the next slide there. Uh, see who can tap into this one real quick and get it. When you let your wife put out the deer corn, <laughs> this is what happens. There's not enough hunters here. I can tell that right now. It is funny, by the way. I think it's really funny. Whether you do or not, I think it's hilarious. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's get serious. Huh? John F. Ken Kennedy once used an illustration of a a Chinese character for the word crisis. And uh, in, in a speech he was making, and it, it was Wei Ji, Wei Ji. And, and in the word crisis, it's a combination of two, two symbols. One means danger, and one means opportunity. Now, I've searched it a little bit and found out that it's a little bit of a weak translation. It can happen. It can be used that way, but that's not the strongest way that that word's used. But I thought, principally speaking, that's absolutely true in the scriptures, isn't it? With every crisis, there is an opportunity. Come on, none of you are excited about that. Let me say it over on this side. With every crisis, there's an opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. 
And it's really true, isn't it? That's a, that's a, it, it, there, there is a, an opportunity in every crisis. In a few days, you're going to be telling people, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And people will be telling you that, and it'll be all over, you know, just like Merry Christmas has been. And, and it'll be, but, 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 but I hope what you realize that what that means isn't everything's going to be perfect for you this coming year. Nothing's going to go wrong. Happy New Year, Happy, Happy. You're all going to be happy the whole time through. That's really not what it means. There's another interpretation for that. We'll get, we'll get to that later. <clears throat> but because we don't know what we're going to face this year, do we? What I can guarantee is that you will probably face some crisis. Uh, we, we just don't know. I mean, the economy could totally collapse, couldn't it? Accidents will happen. Come on, I'm stirring you up. Come on, people will hurt you. This is going to happen this year. I can guarantee that's going to happen. What I can't guarantee is, or what I can guarantee is that in every crisis you face, you will have an opportunity to see the glory of God. Why? Because as we said earlier, he is everywhere always, and he doesn't change. You can always count on him being there no matter what you face this coming year. He's going to be there. And, and, and I thought, well, why, why, would you, why would you believe that? Why would you need to believe that? And, and, and my answer to that is, is because you are not an accident. You're not an accident. You're a very, uh, uh, you are, you are, you're, you're, you're very uh, uh, created with a purpose. You have something that God is interested in in you, that he put inside of you. He invested something inside of you. You're important to him. Every last one of you are important to God. And so, so, so I, I guarantee wherever you go, he will be there. Whether it's in the fire, he'll be there. Whether it's parting the Red Sea, he'll be there. No matter where you are, uh, he'll be there. He, he is really the one that is your greatest advocate. And he's the one that will help you to overcome. That's what we want to try to focus on this morning. A couple of quotes that I got that I felt were uh, very well put. Every crucial experience can be regarded either as a setback or the start of a wonderful new adventure. It depends on your perspective. What is your focus? What is, how, how are you seeing life? How are you believing God? How are you trusting him in all of your circumstances? So every one of those can either be an opportunity uh, or not. Another quote, we will sometimes have defeats in life, but you can have defeats without being defeated. I like that. You can fail without being a failure. Anybody ever failed this test at school? Raise your hand if you failed at least one. Come on. Let's have some honesty here. Raise it higher. Higher than that. Anybody ever fail? Okay. Most everybody has. And the rest of you, I question. When you see failure and defeats as merely a part of the process to get you to where God is taking you. And, and, and so it's, it's the process. Every adversity contains, at the same time, a seed of equivalent opportunity. 
I'm saying this over and over because I want you to, to, to catch a hold of the fact that, yes, God has great promises for you. Yes, they're beautiful. Yes, they sound wonderful. Yes, they are wonderful. But there is a process getting there. But there's purpose in the process. It's not just for the, the sake of you going through a hard time and making it through a hard time. There's a greater purpose that, remember, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But I know that many people, many people, even in this room, many people grew up with some very challenging circumstances that still affect you today. They're like little darts that made their way into your heart that continue to guide you and direct you and, and help you to choose. It makes you choose your responses to things and, and responses to life that you kind of think, wow. Why do I do that? Or why do I keep doing that? Or can I, will I ever change? Will I ever get past this? Or can I, can I be everything that God wants me to be having this in my past? And my word to you today is yes. But you have to learn how to process it and you have to capture the purpose in it. And I think of the way I grew up and, you know, most of it was horrible. I mean, it was literally just horrible. It was a nightmare growing up for me just about every day of my life. But yet when I look back and I think of the, the, the different strengths that he put in me through that, okay, he didn't cause that, but he uses everything for his purpose, and he has a process for us to work it through with. And when I, when I, when I, when I became born again, I remember uh, having to still work, obviously, through some things, but I remember all of a sudden the lights came on, and I realized, wow, the, 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 there was purpose there, and I wanted to capture it, and I'm still capturing it to this day. And I want to give us a Bible perspective of this because I want you to see that it's a pretty common thing in the Scriptures for anybody who ever accomplished anything great, there was always a crisis before the victory. I don't know that you can find one. I couldn't find one thing, one miracle that God did that there wasn't a crisis there in front of it. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a powerful, powerful idea. I'll just run you through a quick story here with David. It's found in, if you're writing this down, you can read through it. It's fascinating. David is a fascinating uh, person. Uh, but 1 Samuel chapter 27 through to the end of it, which is 31. To just read through that story, and you'll grab so many nuggets of life that it <laughs> should change the way that you live. But look at his life, you know. If you remember, he gets, he's out in the backside of the desert, and he's tending the sheep, and all of his brothers are living in the castle and being taken care of, and the prophet comes to look for the king. And in the process, he goes through all of his other brothers, six or seven brothers, and the prophet stops and says, do you have any more kids? Because it's just not one of these, but I know it's supposed to be one of yours. And, and after a few times of questioning that, uh, the father, oddly enough, remembered, oh yeah, I have David. But they so thought that he wouldn't be the one, a little scrawny guy, that he wouldn't be the one that they even forgot about him. Especially in light of being a king. So they said, David gets called out to be the, the next king. And he gets prophesied over him that he will be the king. But Saul is still the king. And, and so the, the, the scripture taught David not to touch God's anointed. Don't, 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 don't do anything with him, David. It'll happen. You just have to understand there's a process going on here. 
for you to fulfill your purpose. And if you know the story at all, he goes through life. And uh, remember David, he kills Goliath. Remember, Goliath was a Philistine. He kills Goliath, an amazing thing. Everybody's now in awe of him. And somebody even wrote a song about it. Isn't that good? Wrote a song about it. You know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And there's this whole thing happening that stirs up Saul, makes him angry. Now he's in pursuit to kill David. And so David is running all over the country, hiding from King Saul, even though he could have technically probably killed him, he understood God's process here that he was not to touch God's anointed. So he, he moves around, he moves around, he moves around. Finally, he decides, and if you read this, it'll all come together for you. He decides, I'm going to move out of my country, and I'm going to move in through by the Philistines, okay, which were the enemy of the Hebrews. And so he moves there, and the Philistines were so amazed at what he did to Goliath that they respected him and honored him. They gave him a whole city, and that's where him and they think about 200 people, his warriors and his men uh, uh, with him and their families all moved. There was about 200 people, and he lived in Ziklag for many, many years. Well, Saul, in his anger and his frustration, decided he was going to go after him in Ziklag. Well, the Philistines caught wind of this, and so the Philistines decided we're going to go and we're going to attack Saul and his army, and we're just going to destroy him. We're just going to deal with this once and for all. And so David thinks, okay, that's great. That's great. Guy's all constantly trying to kill me. (laughs) uh, Maybe you feel like somebody's chasing you, trying to kill you all the time. He's constantly trying to kill me. And so the story, as the story continues on, what happens is uh, Saul signs himself up with his army to go to battle with the Philistines to destroy Saul. So he gets to that place, and they're all lined up, and uh, the king was all for it because he knew the, the power of David and his army and what they could accomplish. They knew they would for sure win that way. And so, so they get in the line, they're lined up. Well, the commanders of the army see all these Hebrews lined up in this army. And, the, and, and they, they said, time out, time out. What are we doing taking them to battle with the Hebrews? They're going to turn on us once we get there. And so they totally stop them and say, no, David, you cannot go. Now keep this in mind. David's a warrior. He's an amazing warrior. So all of a sudden, he gets upset. And he starts complaining about it. But the commanders were not going to deal with it, period. So the king goes back to David and he says, hey, listen. I want you to go back to Ziklag immediately. Go in the morning. Leave in the morning. Go back to your hometown. And you stay there. We'll take care of the battle. Well, that story picks up in chapter 30 and verse 1. And it says this. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites, another another a group of people, uh, enemies, had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked the Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive all the women, all those who were there from small to great. Uh, and they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went on their way. And, and so the, while he was over here signing up to go to join this battle, which he loved, he was a warrior, 
knowing he could deal with it, knowing that, you know, Saul would probably end up being dead, even though he wouldn't have to do it specifically because that would have been against what he should have done. He goes back home angry. He gets there, and he sees his entire village is burned up, and his whole family are gone. And I think about it for just a moment. Think about it for just a moment. Here he is, frustrated, angry, and mad that things aren't going the way he thought they should go. But yet, in fact, if he wouldn't have returned immediately to Ziklag, he would have lost all of his family. He would have lost everything that he had. Jump over to verse 8 in that same chapter. And so after, after they recognize that everything's burned down, all the family's gone, David's upset. In fact, all of the warriors that were with him were even madder because their families were gone too. And they were threatening David. And David's sitting back trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Well, David knew enough to do this. And listen to what he said. In the middle of a crisis, this is a crisis for him. And they want to kill him now. Not only Saul, but all of, these, all of his men. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, God answered him. He's inquiring of him. He's in a crisis. And the, what he does at first is he goes and inquires of the Lord. And he asks the Lord, what, what am I supposed to do? And how often do we ask God what to do at the very end of it? Instead of seeing the crisis, inquiring of the Lord, finding out what his process and his plan is, because it's a part of his purpose for your life to tap into what he's doing regardless of what it looks like. And he answered him and he said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. What an amazing story. What an amazing thing. And, and, and what if David would have just got upset and just said, no, we're going with the army, or got upset and went off somewhere else and, 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 and murmured or complained or whined about it. He would have completely missed him getting, going back to get his family and restoring them to where they should be. So in the middle of the crisis, he inquired of the Lord. He understood the process. And now he moved into the purpose, and that was getting his family back. And he did that, and it said every one of them came back. Everyone was restored. Now, I want to I just maybe try to uh, allow this to soak in just for a moment here, because, again, I think there's, there's maybe a lot more hurt inside of us than what we want to claim, a lot more hurt deeper inside of us that we want to acknowledge. Uh, we want to be strong. We want to... You know, I can overcome this on my own. I can do this on my own. I can, I, I can, I can get past all this on my own. And, and the reality is that you really can't. You just can't. There's some things that you just can't get past on your own. You have to have the help of the Holy Spirit get inside of you and, and, and take those fiery darts that the Bible calls that the devil puts inside of our hearts. Take those out. It's a supernatural, divine thing. But we have this promise from God. This is what I want you to just... Let it, let it settle in. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, it says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, 
and the crawling locust and the consuming locust and the chewing locust. I will restore to you all of those years. Now think of it in terms of your own personal life. Some, some stuff's been stolen from you. And you can either step back and be very mad at God or mad at people or frustrated at people, or you can get a hold of this word here even this morning, I will restore. The word restore is shalam, shalam. And this is literally what it means. And I, when, I, when I was reading this, I thought, wow, that's amazing. It means to, to make peace with, put peace back inside of your heart. Put it back in your heart because you understand what? God's always there. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's always been there no matter what it looks like. And he'll always be there. And he'll always help you. It means to cause to be at peace, to live in peace. It means to be complete or to be sound. It means to be uh, uninjured, to make safe, to make whole or good or restore or to make or compens uh, make compensation for. And I thought about that and I thought, well, how many of us could use a little bit more of that? We could use just a little bit more peace. We could use a little bit more healing, a little bit more of what God wants to do in our life. Because if we don't receive that, if we don't receive that, then we will continue to hobble through our lives with our own strength, which isn't enough. Now, you'll do well. You'll do okay. You'll do not too bad, probably. Most of you are pretty strong. And most of you think you're really strong. And you, you, you'll do okay. You'll, you'll continue to make it. You'll look like a success in the eyes of the world. But that's not what's really important. What's really important is what God wants to do inside of your life. He has a process with a purpose. He has a process with a purpose. Not even a bird falls to the ground without him knowing it. How much more does your heavenly father have his eyes on you? I, I, when you were young, when you were an infant, and, and, and you got spanked for something, how many know, I, you don't even remember maybe, you didn't understand why you were experiencing pain. Yeah, why? Well, this is my world. You don't know why, but there was a process with a purpose in that. And God has a, his eyes on us, and he has... You and mine for good, you know, we, we read it in the middle of the worst book of the Bible, in maybe one of the worst chapters of the Bible, in the very middle of it, Jeremiah 29, 11, the father throws in, I have a hope and I have a future for you. And this is in the middle of the worst book of the Bible, the worst chapter of the Bible, and right in the middle of it, he throws this scripture out there, I have a hope, I have a future for you. And I just think, you know, how often, how, even myself, how much I tried doing stuff on my own, only to realize that I only really created a facade that looked good for you. But I left what needed to be transformed and changed inside of me hidden. And it constantly, it's there. It's there. And, and, but yet through the course of the journey and through the process of pain, in many cases, the Lord kind of heats things up on you, and it pulls those things to the surface, 
not, not, not to make you mad, not to make you discouraged, not to overwhelm you, but he'll bring those things to the surface so he can scoop it off and he can get rid of it for good. Because he's got a process with a purpose for your life. You're very important to him. Remember, you're, 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 you're going to be the bride for his son. So he's doing some things in you now that are going to make the perfect bride for his son. There's something happening. There's something happening. The world doesn't see it. They have no clue. They just probably see you as a religious nut. But God has a purpose. He's doing something that's bigger than eye has seen or ear has heard. And we're going to see this happen, but i got to get back to this place where I understand that maybe some of the things that have happened to me in my life could have a process to get me into his purpose. Because I'll tell you what, most, most kids went down kicking and screaming when they were doing something wrong and didn't want, didn't want to stop. <laughs> you know? It's just one of those things where, wow, how, how do I get past it? But, but there's little things. That, you know, the Bible talks about the devil putting fiery darts in our heart, and he uses different things to do that. You know, and, and, and if you don't understand God's process now that you're growing up, then you could totally miss it. You end up offended, and, and, and maybe you still go to church every Sunday, but you're missing the process and not able to tap into the purpose, which then leaves you frustrated over here. See, that's the enemy's goal, is to frustrate you over here. But I want us to realize that there's really, uh, there's a couple things that I think if, if, if we would determine in our hearts, okay, uh, you know, I, I believe that there is a process and that there's a purpose. I want to just give you three things that I think if you'll step into the new year with these, it will change your entire year. It'll change everything. It'll change your entire life. You might even get a bigger mansion. <laughs> All right, you ready? You ready for three points? Ready to receive them. Okay, let's, let's go through them. First, determine, you know, and, and this is going to be better than even, you know, <laughs> promising to lose weight this year. This is going to be better than that, okay? It's a, I, number one, I will look at every adversity and search for God's greater plan. I will look at every adversity and search for God's greater plan. Now, I'm going to see the process in this thing. I'm going to realize if something is going on around me that's affecting me in my life, God is right there, and he wants to reveal to me just like he did to David. He said, David, no, this is the right thing. You need to go back to, uh, you need to go and get your family. You'll get them all. It's all there for you. You'll get them. Don't give up. Stay on the right track. So I need to look at that. Um, Charles Swindoll says this. He's a very famous preacher. He's been around forever. He says, we all faced we are all faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Wow, isn't that good? We're all faced with these things, and, and, and they're disguised as impossible situations. Do you have any impossibilities in your life? 
Have you had some things that you've been trying to overcome? You've been trying to change, and they just aren't changing, and you've just kind of finally settled that, you know, well, it's just the way it is. Well, if it's a part of God's promises, don't settle for that. Number two, I, I, I will look at every adversity and search for God's greater plan. And number two, I won't only look for God's process, but I will look for God's purpose. See, God doesn't do stuff just randomly. He doesn't hang a carrot in front of you. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't do stuff without some purpose. And so when I realized that, then uh, and I remember our pastor, Pastor Dick Iverson, uh, he used to say it all the time. He said, when the circumstances changes you, he will change the circumstances. Why? Because there's a process happening. He wants you to be transformed. He doesn't want you to stay in darkness or deceived. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. How many know that as a believer, this group here should be the happiest of everybody? Right? Right there, we're getting it. If you don't believe me, just talk to Ralph and Mildred, talk to Shirley, talk to Wayne, talk to... You're a little bit young. Talk to this group. <laughs> he finally said amen, all right. Um, you know what I've said? This should be the happiest group, really, because we're going from what? Glory to glory to glory. It gets better. Remember the old song, it's sweeter and sweeter as the days go on? How many remember that song? Everybody in this corner should. It's sweeter and sweeter as the days go on, and I can't remember the rest of it. But it should be. We should be happier not more depressed, not more sad, not more under, we should be over. As we understand the process and the purposes of God. And, and, and it, it does that to us. You know, I don't like the, the process any more than you do, to be honest with you. But I'm so glad for it. I'm so happy for it. The things that needed to change in me would have never changed without that process. And I'm just telling you, you come out on the other side always better if you process it right. So I won't only look at the process, but I'm going to see the purpose of it. And I try to think of different things, you know, that you know, most, most of us want everything to be just easy and problem-free, but that's just not the way God seems to think. Because he's doing something so much deeper in you that can only be accomplished with some pressure. It's kind of like what they do with gold, you know, they heat it up. Seven times, it says, in the fire. And it determines the quality and the purity of the gold. So God, turn, they turn the fire up to a certain degree, and they scoop off the dross, and then that's maybe 18 karat gold, 14 karat gold. Whatever the carat is determines the purities that are left in it. And for you, he wants to keep heating the fire up. Come on. You need to smile at this process right now, because if you don't, you're going to wish you did. You might have to turn the fire up early already. J.D. Rockefeller said this, I always try to turn every disaster into an opportunity. Another guy unknown says, an obstacle is often an unrecognized opportunity. I wonder if every time you faced something that was a challenge or recognized something wasn't going according to his word, I wonder if we would do like David did and inquire of the Lord and say, Lord, why, why is this? What should I do? That he wouldn't begin to make clear to you exactly what you're supposed to do. 
And he'll find the results that David found. Remember, David was the one that was a man after God's own heart. Number three, last point here, just, just to, to wrap it up, and I, I think it's uh, important. Will you partner with others to fulfill your purpose? We're, we're living in a very uh, separated world now. People are totally just independent and separate, and, you know, they're just... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to be alone. They want to do their own thing. There's numbers, numbers of reasons for that. Sometimes it's because they're living in sin and they don't want to tell anybody know that, so they just stay separate and individualized. And, and there's other reasons, because you've been hurt by people, so you're going to stay individualized. You might be in the group, okay, but you're just a member in the crowd. You're not a part of it. And, and so for, there's lots of reasons I couldn't even begin to name that we would do that. We would be among many people but still be alone. But I want you to know that part of God's process for you and I is that we become connected with people in a deeper way than really what our culture is experiencing in these days. If you want to find out about that, let's see, where's, where's Brad and Marilyn Taylor? Okay, good. I thought maybe you skipped out on church. All right, I saw you here earlier. Brad and Marilyn Taylor, you remember the guy that uh, did the narrative on... Uh, at our Christmas thing, Solomon, right? Okay. I found out later they've known him forever. And I went out to dinner with him again. They hadn't seen each other for a while, but they just reconnected right back up. And, and, I, and this is a small thing, but the reality is, is that uh, Julie Massing also, where'd she go? She should be. Julie, where are you at? Is anybody here? <laughs> but she knew them, and she brought it to me and said, hey, this, this is really good. I think we should do this for the for our Christmas uh, celebration. If you were there, I thought that was so moving. How about you? I mean, that just, that just moved me beyond just the natural enjoy it, enjoyment. I mean, I, they, they drugged me. I mean, we went voluntarily to the Nutcracker. Everybody knows me in musicals. <laughs> that was terrible, but I went there because I love my daughter and I love my wife, but I still don't like the Nutcrackers. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I must have just needed to confess it. Good place to do it in church, right? Where you're not judged. Uh, uh, but relationships are so important to us. That was my point. How are we connecting with people? When Jesus... <laughs> have you ever seen those little connect the dot things? I can put numbers on it for you if you need, okay? No. Uh, the, uh, uh, we need each other is what my point really is. We need to make connections with each other. Jesus himself, that was the first thing he did when he came on this planet. Do you realize that? He went and gathered 12 people. And he pulled them into himself. And he started establishing relationship. Do you know that the potential of his gospel not being continued on would have been weakened without those 12. Well, I know they were a bit of a mess for a while, but when it was all said and done, if I'm not mistaken, 11 out of 12 of them uh, were, were killed for him before their life was over. They died for him. And, and you know what that did? That just gave power to this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave a power to that. But he spent all that time with them, so by the time it was done, they really knew what was going on. 
They really understood it. Yeah, it took him a while. It takes us a while, too. But he built this team together, and he began to do life with them. He says he ate with them, and he did miracles with them, and he did all these things with him, with them, uh, to make a difference. I think that I would be confident to say to you today that you will not fulfill your life purpose alone. For all my research, and when you really think about it, when you read the Bible, how much of the New Testament talks about loving one another, helping one another, caring for one another, speaking into one another's lives, a brother sticks closer than a friend. You know, all these things that the Bible repeatedly talks about, most of the New Testament is written to you and I, not to the unsaved. It only took five books, the four Gospels and the Book of Romans, for the most part, to say, hey, this is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how you get saved. All the rest of them deal with us and how we mostly relate to each other. And, 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 I, and so my challenge for us is that will we, in this coming year, partner together like never before, understanding that there's a part of the process and there's purpose in it. The Bible says he's building us together. And, and, and again, talking to some different ones, I, I, I realized that uh, relationships and friendships are a little bit harder to build than what I thought. And, and it's important for us to, this coming year, put some effort into it. We're going to spend the first four weeks of January on how to make friends, how to, you know, how to keep friends. Some of you just need to know how to keep them. You can make them, but you got to keep them. How do we do this? How do we come together and really begin to allow the gospel message? Because uh, God wants us to be like this together. And when I talked to, again, Brad and Marilyn and about their friendship with them, they've known them for so many years, 40 years or something. I thought, wow, that's powerful. And I bet you those people would be right there for them if they ever ran into a deep crisis. And, and I just think, wow, what... We are partners with others for a purpose. We have a large purpose here. I can't wait to share with you uh, as a church what we accomplished over this past year in helping different people and missionaries and so forth. You'll be blown away. It's just amazing. I sent you a few notes. I've given you a few things about it, but we're going to put, put together a whole thing. And we did that together. Not one of us could have done that alone. And I was thinking, God wants to take you much deeper. So would you stand to your feet? What's the process? Do you understand the process? you see the purpose in what God's doing in your life or has done. I, I just, I, I believe this morning he's actually, you know, the, I think it's in Ephesians where it talks about these fiery darts that the enemy somehow slips into us. And I know that it's through life experiences and a lot of them come from relationships that 
went bad or went sour or didn't work out like I thought they should or you know my parents weren't everything I thought they should be I thought parents were supposed to be this or I thought friends were supposed to do this and yet it didn't seem to happen and so that fiery dart the the, the, the scripture calls it gets into our heart and it begins to direct our life and, and, and so somehow we even don't even inquire of the Lord anymore about some of the things that just keep happening. I mean, the same cycle of things. I just, well, Lord, is this ever going to change? And, and what's the enemy wanting to do? He wants to rob you of your relationship with God. That's his whole goal is to separate you from God. Because if he separates you from God, you are blinded and, and, and you're, you're like a sheep going to the slaughter, according to Isaiah. And so there's a need this morning uh, to... Maybe take a moment and pause and, and just to, to ponder and to maybe ask the Lord about these things. That, Lord, what about the process? What about the purpose? And what about relationships that I don't have? Or maybe I'm in relationships and they're having problems. And I just can't figure out why they're having problems. Can you pull down the lights, please, Cat? Uh, I believe I know there's hurts here I know there's fiery darts here and I, 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 I can't make you maybe just at least acknowledge it before the Lord but um, if you don't they'll stay around a long time and I don't think Des will mind me sharing this but his whole relationship with his father was really different and it affected the way that he saw his heavenly father. And that always happens, doesn't it? But all of a sudden, God came across with a revelation to him. And I don't know, like, what was, the, what was your age? Approximately. I don't want to give it away. In his 30s, when all of a sudden he realized, wow, I just got a wrong perspective and understand the process or the purpose and let it shift his life around until all of a sudden we talk to him today and man he's an amazing father and he loves like a father uh, I guess that's what I'm just trying to say there's just these darts that get in there and they're pretty subtle but if you're struggling in your relationship with God if you're struggling in relationships period I just want to say that that could be part of the issue. And it's something between you and your Heavenly Father. I mean, if, if, you know, just like today, they talk about a lot of suicides happening among youth. You know, if, that's, if that's in your thoughts, then uh, there's a dart in there trying to feed that. May not see it, but if you have that kind of a thought, there's a dart there. There's something there. Something has crept in, and uh, it's 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 trying to affect your life and destroy your relationship with your heavenly Father. And so, I, I just want to challenge you this morning. And, and I, I honestly, I'm just almost not sure how to go about it, other than just to say, if you feel 
heaviness in your heart. In other words, you've lost your joy. There's no joy. You know, the Bible says there's a joy to our salvation. And if you, if you don't have that, you don't have a passion, uh, if you've lost your passion, there could be just a little dart in there that I felt that the Lord say that if you just acknowledge it to him, he will remove it and you'll begin to experience the healing and the restoration of the joy of your salvation. Because all the enemy wants to do is rob you of that. He just wants to rob you of that for your sake and for his purpose. So let's just, in your own heart, you, you have the conversation. Maybe he's already prompted something to you. But I want to sort of pray and just ask the Lord to reveal it to you. You know, for me, it was, it was the hatred of my father, my real father. Most of you know I had six or maybe seven alcoholic stepfathers. I blamed it all on the first one. His fault, I didn't even know him. His fault, he left me. He left me there. And four years into being a Christian, you would have asked me, do I hate anybody? No, no, of course not. But I'm in prayer one day, and I'm just lining it out to God. You know, God, why why did you have to give me this kind of a father? And why did you, why this and why that? And, 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 and you know, once I opened up my heart to him in that fashion, by the end, and I, I wrote it down, I have it written down in a tablet. I wrote it down, and at the end of that little, really being transparent with God about it, it's like a revelation came to me and totally just pulled that dart out and was a part of changing my life forever. See, what we don't realize is those little darts can get you way off course may not seem like much to you now, but it gets you way off course. So let's just pray. Would you just, everybody just close your eyes for just a moment. I know it's dark in here, but would you just close your eyes for a moment and let me pray for you and, 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 and maybe if he hasn't already revealed something to you, he will in this next week before we start this new year. This new year is going to be amazing, uh, I believe. Just ask him. Lord, if there's a dart in there that I don't see that's affecting me. And sometimes you just react in ways you don't even know why you react. You kick yourself later for reacting that way. There's something going on. And so, Father, today I, I pray for each one of us. I know you want each one of us to finish this year in a great place. And, Lord, this is the time for that. And I, I pray for just divine insight and revelation to come to every person in this room. Everyone to see something about themselves that you've been working on. And you've been desiring to see change because you love them. You love them with an everlasting love. And Father, we just yield ourselves to you even over these next last few days of this year to be listening and inquiring of you of what we need to do about whatever the situation is that you bring to our mind and bring to our thoughts. Lord, you are a miracle-working God. You are a miracle-working God. And for with you, there is nothing that's too difficult. 
And so, Lord, I pray over all of us this morning, self-included, just bring us revelation, God. Bring us understanding of the process and the purpose that you have as we end this year that we might start it in a great way with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Everybody said?